Wait for next time. Never again. Want to remember your holiday for the right reasons? Make sure you don't ruin it for you and your mates. Change for Life is about small changes we can make to be healthier. For loads of ideas to cut back fat, watch the salt, make sugar swaps or get you five a day, just search online for Change for Life. 91.8 Hayes FM. Great West London. Afternoons with Sylvia Smith. Afternoon, hope you're having a wonderful Friday. You're listening to 91.8 Hayes FM, local radio where you live. I hope you're enjoying the sun. Okay, it's 3.43pm and it's a Friday afternoon and of course we always like to um, tackle difficult issues, difficult topics and the next one we're going to tackle is not an easy one. We're going to be talking about end of life care. It's not a topic that we generally like to think about or talk about. But sometimes you may, in fact, find yourself in that very situation, having to really think about the issue. And uh, Dr. Blaine Robin, who has agreed to join us, sociologist and occupational therapist, um, because, of course, he has done a lot of study in this area. He's thought about the issue. He works in this area. Um, and he has a lot to say about this particular area of work. Um, so, Dr. Blaine Robin, are you there? Afternoon. Yes, coming. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Thank you very much. And how are all the listeners? Uh, Hayes of Hayes FM. How's everybody? Well, I generally like to refer to Hayes as Sunny Hayes FM, um, and it certainly is that today. So, um, yeah, we're fine. We're really fine. Okay, Blaine, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we're going to try and have a, a, a bit of a discussion about this very difficult issue. Uh, which is end-of-life care. I, as I've said previously to our listeners, uh, it has been in the news quite a bit this week, uh, basically talking about uh, how hospitals around the country are actually performing as far as uh, this particular is issue is concerned. But I know that you've done um, a lot of study in this area, and uh, obviously you have some messages, I guess, you, you, you really would like to convey and share with, with others. So... What are your thoughts on this issue? Well, first, I would also like to acknowledge uh, the work carried out recently by the Royal College of Physicians, which is a, a study and audit of the provision of care for people dying in hospitals, or the survey that they carry out periodically. Hmm. And, um, and, uh, and, and in, a, in, a, in essence, um, there are responsibilities for hospitals to help, um, you know, all, all patients, uh, yeah. not just for the, for the care and rehabilitation, but also preparing for end-of-life care. Mm -hmm. um, it's widely known that, um, you know, if you have uh, if you have a, a, a prominent illness, an end-stage cancer, for example, um, you'll have access to perhaps a whole range of good services, mm -hmm. uh, like the, the, the Macmillan Trust or hospice services. And, uh, this report says that there's, the variation is, is too broad. There shouldn't be a, a service for one set of patients and, an, and, and, a, and a second-rate service mm. for another set of patients. You, you know, I've often, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've often heard discussions about the prominence that um, cancer care uh, has in, in the scheme of things. I mean, by no means is it a competition, but it's, but it's actually a fact that um, in, in terms of some of the other chronic conditions and um, sort of terminal conditions, cancer care does get 
a, a huge amount of support. Well, right, rightly so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one of the it's one of these conditions that, that uh, you know various health campaigns and health providers have been tackling and research uh, for, for a number of years, and rightly so. Okay. But what this study re- what this study revealed is that. Um, you know, um, in, in a study, 87% of patients um, with health professionals had recognised that they were in the last days of life, but only were told, um, only only half of those patients were told that, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. So, And this is this is by medical professions, professionals rather. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So it's, in our culture, it's, it's almost as if it's rolled into the hospital environment. Mm-hmm. Death is not something that we talk about in our society. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and in in, this, in 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 the experience I had in my study, you know, we have to try and make sense of what the doctors and nurses are telling us about this uncomfortable topic. It's not something mm-hmm. that families willingly do. You know, doctor, nurse, is my mum, is my husband going to die? Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are these are questions that families struggle to ask. Yeah, but there, but there, 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 but there's a need, isn't there? There's a great need for us to find a language, isn't there, to to sort of convey this 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 stuff. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It might get to a point one day where people set up a living will, mm-hmm. actually say in a written form to their children and family or their relatives, "If this is happening to me at the end, this is what I want to be followed. You know, I want to die at home." Most people in surveys have revealed that's where they would prefer to die, not in a hospital ward environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to have families developing lasting power of attorney documents so that if the doctors are, are making a decision about switching off life support machines, certain family members will be notified or not necessarily family members, a named relative on that document is a legal duty to let that family know. But some, but some people um, do that, don't they? Some people do that? Um, Yes, but um, there are, once again, it's taboo. A lot yeah, of yeah. people in society, the last thing they want to do is spend three hundred pounds on a document that says, you know, in the event of me dying, mm-hmm. please inform my daughter, please inform my, my 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 relative who's in North America. You know, you know, people don't want to be that specific. But sure. you find that you find that there's nothing worse than someone being told at the very end when it's too late that this is about to happen mm-hmm. uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're not going to resuscitate your mother or your dad uh, sorry were you going to tell me that when were you going to let me know mm-hmm. you've exactly made de- you've made you've made that decision without me the doctors will say well actually we've got a duty to the patient not to you you're mm-hmm. just a relative mm-hmm. we've got a dis- we've got a duty to the my doctor patient confidentiality comes first yeah um, and there might be a need for a death broker, a, an expert in grief counselling, like a social worker, a traditional social worker, somebody who the families have been referred to on the ward who can take them through the pre- mm. preparation for this, you know, this, these difficult topics. Um, once again, I, I, you know, in my study, the family were not referred to a, a social worker. They were not referred to a hospice. And a hospice is a much better a hospice is a much better place to prepare for end of life mm. than a dark, wet, lonely hospital room. Yeah, you know? far far better geared up for that whole that whole eventuality. I mean, I I, I must I must admit this week I've been listening to some uh, some radio stations, um, in particular one of the BBC radio stations, where there were a number of people who called in who actually did say and were very specific about what 
what death arrangements they they wanted um these people you know were fairly healthy at this point in time but they were very specific so i do believe that there are some people who do take the ball by the horns but um for the vast majority of us uh it, it's really not the case and and the hospitals i i should imagine the medical staff who are who are kind of more geared towards the preservation of life really struggle with with communicating um with patients and with family members about these kind of issues um or that particular eventuality so i don't know what well, can like be done to to change that well i'd like to come in here because mm. the same study the same study by the royal college of physicians revealed that in terms of mandatory training on this topic mm -hmm. for, for medical uh, staff for medical staff yeah. um in 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 19 of the hospitals that were surveyed stipulated training for doctors you know mm -hmm. 19 uh, oh. that's too low very low and um and in in uh and in in 82 of the trust that had provided some form of training um eight um uh, 18 82 had provided training the previous year for just staff generally so that means 20 nothing you know that that, that that is so interesting i mean you know we're we're obviously not talking about this as some kind of academic issue mm. um but i i would also imagine that what goes on in the medical field is a bit of a reflection of what goes on in our society as a whole but um i think that's that is absolutely dreadful that it's such a low a low number so you know there are times when you may be in the hospital environment you have to pick up on other cues that things are going wrong like you know doctors unable to give you eye contact or medical staff who kind of shuffle around um your ill relative who aren't really prepared to kind of communicate with you and it's it's been that way for many 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 years um and one would have thought in the 21st century with all our knowledge on on a vast array of things that we would have also um improved in this area Well, we, when you have prominent people like Professor John Ellerinshaw, director of Marie Curie, Marie Curie Palliative Care Institute, yeah. who says, you know, it is unacceptable in this current day and age that hospitals are failing patients and their families mm -hmm. in the care that they receive at the end of their life. Mm -hmm. Too many patients are dying badly in our hospitals oh. when we know how to care for them well. You know, you've got prominent yep. people at that yep. level yep. putting their reputation out there. More needs to be done. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. still in this taboo area where death is death is not considered a part of life. For mm -hmm. me and my family, I want to educate my children to know that death is a part of life. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, when it comes, we need to celebrate life, um, uh, uh, celebrate life. Mm -hmm. But what the, the problem, when you think about all the messages we hear when the most famous and the most wealthy die, you hear the following. They died with their family all at their side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know all the all the various. Like, you, you you get to think: Is this socio-economically put across? In other words, is it, is if, if, you, if you got the well? dough, if you got the dough, you can you can die well. Yeah, you, you can. Oh, you Terrible. Know, and 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 it should be a universal must. That the end must mm -hmm. be a good end, a mm -hmm. good death. People mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. um, oh. because in the run-up there is. What well, my study revealed a social death. People change when they die, and they're dying. They're not the same person mm -hmm. that we knew at their peak. And relatives often say, "I want to remember them when they were healthy. I don't want to remember them at the end." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But a good a good death is important, mm -hmm. uh, especially in a 
in an environment where we pay for the services that we receive from our NHS and our national insurance contributions. We expect a bit more than basic. A bit more than basic. All right. Well, on that note, Dr. Blaine Robin, is there any resounding message you want to leave with us this week? Bearing in mind, you're coming back in a couple of weeks, but in terms of this particular issue and this topic, uh, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with, a thought you'd like to leave us with um, on, on, on this issue? Well, the, the abiding, the abiding, um, the abiding message that I picked up from the countless families that, that I met is that you know it is the family network that's so important. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a sense of planning. Without the morbid side of those things, it is about planning in a way that. You know, in as much as you know, there's enough to, to, to bury your relatives. There's enough mm-hmm. to put aside, mm-hmm. rather than absolutely no planning. And you often hear the desperate stories of people, you know, get, going around perhaps looking for a pauper's funeral. You know, get a sense of proportion. Mm-hmm. That's at the very basic level, really. But um, it's a part of life, and uh, there has to be a warmth around it. 